Mohegan Indians knew it as Aquahung, or River of High Bluffs. We know it as the Bronx River. The roughly 24-mile waterway runs deep with history, a history that includes a whole lot of pollution. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Joining me today is Maggie Scott Greenfield. She's the executive director of the Bronx River Alliance. The organization is committed to protecting, improving, and restoring the Bronx River Corridor. Maggie is relatively new to her role with the alliance, but not new to the organization, right? That's right. I've been with the organization since 2005, um, most recently serving as the deputy director since 2010. But our founding executive director, Linda Cox, retired on March 1st and passed the baton over to me then. So it's been a real pleasure to step up and be the executive director. And it's very comfortable and familiar. And, you know, it's just a great, great extension of the work I've been doing for a long time. So what is the one fact about the Bronx River that you think would surprise people most? I think the fact that does surprise people the most is that the Bronx River is New York City's only freshwater river. And we usually have to pause there a little bit and explain what we mean, because, of course, there's other rivers that flow through New York City that have freshwater extents, but they're just not in New York City. So if you think of the Hudson River, the entire extent of the Hudson River in New York City is tidal, and it's an estuary. But there are sections of it way farther upstream where it is fresh. But um, the Bronx River is actually the only freshwater ecosystem that we have in all of New York City. So the Bronx River flows from where to where? So it flows from the Kensico Dam. Um, The headwaters were impounded behind that dam in the 19th century. And so that diverted the headwaters now over to Davis Brook in Valhalla. And and then it flows down right through the central, southern Westchester County and then down through the heart of the Bronx and empties out into the East River around Soundview Park. What can you tell us about the history of the Bronx River? Oh, my goodness. There's so much history to the Bronx River. Um, One thing that's really interesting, I think, is that if you look at the city seal of New York City, it has these two little beaver on it. And But for many, many years, there's, of course, been no beaver in all of New York City. But then in about 2007, we got the first word that a little beaver named Jose had come back to the Bronx River. Named after Congressman Jose Serrano. It was right, yeah. Named after Congressman Jose Serrano. A big champion of the Bronx River. Absolutely. Yeah, he was really instrumental in helping allocate resources to the Bronx River and just a big champion of the what the river means for Bronxites overall. Yeah. So the beaver, obviously part of the history. So the beaver's part of the history. It's part of what brought, you know, settlers to the Bronx. And um, the first European settler that we know of was a man named Jonas Bronk. He was a Swede. And he had a farm um, that he set up in the Bronx. And I believe the easternmost extent of his farm abutted this little river that then became known as Bronx River and later just became the Bronx River. And so another little interesting tidbit is that that's the reason why we have a the in the Bronx is because it actually comes after the full name, which is the borough of the Bronx River. Now, prior to those settlers, the Mohican Indians were here, and they once referred to the Bronx River as the River of High Bluffs. That's right, Aquahung, the River of High Bluffs. And I, I think that must be from the part of the river that flows through the New York Botanical Garden, what we call today the Bronx River Gorge. If you go into the Bronx uh, Botanical Garden, the New York Botanical Garden, you'll you see the, really the uh, the river down in the Bronx River Gorge. It's one of the most beautiful stretches of the river. 
I've read that the river was once so clean that New York City officials debated tapping into it to supply the drinking water in New York City, or at least some of the drinking mm-hmm. water in New York City. Yeah, that's right. That's part of the, the history of the river was that it was considered as a water source. Um, but then with industrialization and settlers forming, you know, coming up and forming dams and mills on the river and then putting their industry and their homes right up against the river, pollution became quickly a major problem on the Bronx River. Um, and so really there were several efforts to restore the river, and we're um, really just the most recent of those efforts. Um, they date back to the 19th century with the creation of, of the Bronx Park System um, by John Mullally in 1888 that set aside the Van Cortland Park, Bronx Park, Pelham Bay Park, as well as those connectors, the Mashalu Pelham Greenway System as sort of the major parks. There were more. And the reason for creating Bronx Park was really to preserve um, a really important part of the Bronx River and what John Mullally recognizes, you know, some of the most beautiful stretches of the Bronx River. And he had a dream that there would also be a parkway, similar to the Mashalu Pelham Parkway, that would extend up the Bronx River all the way up to the headwaters in Valhalla. He didn't achieve that. It wasn't until the about 40 years later when the Bronx River Parkway Commission was formed um, that they then sort of set about creating the Bronx River Parkway. And that project, while we think of it today as primarily all about the highway and the road, it was primarily a river restoration project. I was going to say, I would think that building a parkway would contribute to the pollution, not help to mitigate it. Yeah, right. But back in those days, this was the 1910s and the 1920s, so cars were kind of a new thing in, in those days. And a major part of that project was to create a sewer system so that um, residential and industrial waste would no longer go straight into the river. It would go and be treated. Um, And then also to take some of the land uses that were beginning to encroach right up on the river and set them back and create a green buffer along the river. And so they relocated houses, they relocated um, industry, and they created the Bronx River Parkway Reservation, which extends from Bronxville all the way up to Valhalla as a recreational corridor and a scenic corridor, which today is um, really protected. Um, it's a scenic landscape. It has um, It's on the National Register of Historic Places. And um, our partners up in Westchester County called the Bronx River Reservation Parkway Conservancy they really look out for the scenic and recreational qualities of, of the reservation. But we are, you know, we've really inherited um, um, some, some good bones of parkland along the river from those early efforts to protect the Bronx River. So the Bronx River Alliance is specifically concerned about the health of the river in the Bronx, not in Westchester. Well, yeah, we work primarily in the Bronx. Um, we're a partnership organization. We work um, with local communities and New York City Parks Department, along with uh, dozens of other government and business and community-based organizations. And the most recent effort um, that we grew out of was really based in the South Bronx. Um, It was kind of growing out of the environmental justice movement in the 1990s. Um, And so we've we've focused most of our efforts really in the Bronx on creating the Bronx River Greenway, and which we mean to be a series of connected parks and trails along the river. So we've opened 20 new acres of waterfront parkland in the South Bronx, um, which includes Starlight Park, Concrete Plant Park, Hunts Point Riverside Park, 
Um, and our goal is to stitch that together into a continuous network, um, but extending all the way up into Westchester County. So we do coordinate with um, our partners in Westchester County on the creation of open space and the, developing this network of parks and trails. And most recently, we've also started becoming more interested in water quality and really getting citizen scientists engaged in monitoring water quality up and down the river corridor so we can help municipalities target their efforts. You know, everyone everyone has limited budgets, so they need to know where the most you know, imp- the biggest problems are so they know where to where to address uh, first. And so we've been uh, launching uh, some really interesting citizen science campaigns to get people out and engage with monitoring the water quality. Because what every- is the quality right now of the Bronx River? Well, it's gotten better over the past um, several decades, but it's it's still not swimmable. It's still not safe for primary contact. And the primary reason... What does that mean exactly? Oh, sure. Your so skin's not going to burn off, is it? No, it's not going to burn off, but it's still not recommended that it, you come in contact directly with the river, the water in the Bronx River. Down in the mouth of the river, um, it's, it's mostly safe, um, but what happens is because we have a combined sewer system in New York City, and many of the old cities on the East Coast have this, they were built so that the... The sanitary sewers that come from our homes connect to the storm sewers from the drains out on the streets. And so what that means is on dry weather days when there's no rain, that's not a problem. All the water just goes to the wastewater treatment plant and gets treated and then released. But what happens when it rains is that the rainwater essentially overwhelms the system. There's too much water. The wastewater treatment plants can't handle that water. We certainly don't want the water backing up into people's homes. So then what happens is it overflows into our local waterways. Known as combined sewage overflow. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the really big and persistent problem that the Bronx River faces is that on rainy days we do see raw sewage as well as um, water coming off streets, which also has contamination in it going straight into the Bronx River without being treated. What steps have been put in place to help prevent that from happening? So the city uh, has been engaged for a long time in developing a long-term control plan for the Bronx River. This is something that um, they're actually mandated to create. They create them for all waterways um, and to look at um, combined sewer overflows and how to minimize them or minimize the impact of them on local waterways. So it involves a combination of what they call gray infrastructure, which essentially means pipes, holding tanks, upgrading the wastewater treatment plants, and green infrastructure, which is kind of a newer thing. And the idea behind green infrastructure is that if we can create ways to capture rainwater on the surface in rain gardens, in rain barrels, through green roofs, that then means that less water will go into the combined sewer system to begin with and we'll have less of the overflow. And the great thing about green infrastructure is that there's lots of what we call ancillary benefits. And by that we mean, yeah, you're capturing the stormwater itself, but you're also providing community greening. You're helping to cool communities um, by minimizing what they call the urban heat island effect. And you're creating habitat for wildlife. Um, So there's lots of great benefits for green infrastructure. And the Bronx River Alliance has been um, a proponent of green infrastructure um, since the early days of our founding. And we've um, helped found a citywide coalition called SWIM, which stands for Stormwater Infrastructure Matters. And we work with kind of waterway groups from all over the city to advocate for green infrastructure, at least as a partial solution 
to the city's um, combined sewer overflow problem. So is that problem the main threat to the river today, or are there other threats as well? It is the main threat. Um, I would add to that, though, that we do see um, pollution coming down from Westchester County. And Westchester County does not have a combined sewer system, so we should not be seeing the same sorts of um, basically fecal contamination Hmm. in the river. So then where is it coming from? We think it's coming. It can come from a few different ways. Um, It can come from um, just illegal hookups. just uh, sanitary pipes that go straight into the river that really should not do that. Um, But it can also come from failing infrastructure. So collapsed pipes, if you have a collapsed uh, storm pipe next to a collapsed sanitary pipe, they can cross-contaminate one another, and that can contribute to um, pollution in the river. So is industry still contributing to pollution, or is the industry that was once there pretty much all roughly gone. Yeah, there's not as much industry on the Bronx River. Now, if you go down to the lower river around Hunts Point, you'll see there still is a, um, there's an active concrete plant. There is a scrap metal yard. Um, And so sometimes we do see, you know, floatables coming from those places. But, you know, for example, we right next to Hunts Point Riverside Park is a, the city's recycling facility run by Sims Metal Management. And they take great care to manage their um, use of the waterfront. And we find them to be good partners in terms of maintaining an active uh, waterfront. And we believe there's really a, you know, lots of reasons to maintain that in New York City for jobs because the waterways can be good transportation networks to keep heavy vehicles off local streets and all the air, air quality issues that come up with that. So we believe that there should be a balance between active and, and frankly, industrial use of the waterfront with recreational and, and public um, access to the waterfront. So, But still, we don't see industry as the major source of pollution in the river. We have three main impairments to the Bronx River. The first is floatables, and by that we basically mean trash. That trash washes down. When, if you throw your, your water bottle onto the street, it can wash down the storm drain and go out into the river. And we, we work on that problem in a couple different ways. I can come back to that. Um, but So that's one major impairment. The other is um, dissolved oxygen. Is a, We have really low dissolved oxygen, especially in the lower river in the summertime. And that's because of um, nutrient loads in the river. So especially from golf courses and lawns, a lot of people treat their, their yards with fertilizers And what that does is that then washes into the river. It creates algal blooms. So the algae love it, and they kind of explode in their populations, which doesn't sound bad. But then what happens is when the algae um, dies and starts to decompose, that process chews up essentially all of the oxygen in the water. Killing fish, I would imagine. Yeah, so the fish then cannot live in in those places, in those patches of the water uh, where there's low dissolved oxygen. And then the, the last, the third major impairment to the river is, is fecal contamination. So those are the three major issues. I understand that tires were once a huge problem in the Bronx River. Yeah. Still a problem? Yeah. Every now and then, they, they, we do see still you know dumping of various sources and various types on the Bronx River. So we just uh, organized a volunteer day in March, um, and we brought out 65 people. And they cleaned up the slope along Concrete Plant Park right off Westchester Avenue. And they removed 3,500 pounds of tires, televisions, fans. I mean, all kinds of things you wouldn't believe. So that's just 
irresponsibility, right? People yeah, dumping their dumping. stuff. People mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, pulling up to the river and thinking it's still a dumping ground, which it is not, and, and dumping their debris. You referenced the efforts that you're taking to capture bottles and other debris that end up in the Bronx River. How are you doing that exactly? So the city has maintained what they call a garbage boom, that's B-O-O-M, at Concrete Plant Park. So if you go down to Concrete Plant Park, um, it's on the Bronx River right near Westchester Avenue, you'll see this thing floating in the river, and it captures the floatable debris, the bottles, the styrofoam, essentially before it washes out into New York Harbor and the open ocean. And so the city comes with a with a uh, boat and they vacuum it up periodically, and so it prevents all that litter from going out to the sea. We have been piloting a similar boom, but up on the river near Westchester County. And we've been doing that for a few reasons, because um, the recreational corridor where we paddle the river is um, just south of there. And so we want to see, does this make a difference in terms of cleanliness and the health of the really the most actively used portion of the Bronx River? And we've been working with partners at the New York Botanical Garden and the Bronx Zoo to, to see and to ask them, too, do you see this making a difference in terms of the number of staff hours that you have to allocate to cleaning up the shoreline? And in fact, we have seen that it does seem to be making a difference. We're seeing less litter along um, the lower Bronx River. And we've been engaging school groups and volunteer groups and actually putting on waders and getting into the river and helping us clean out the boom. But not just clean it out, but count and sort. What are we seeing? And so what do you think, George? What do you think is the major thing that we're finding in our garbage boom? I would think plastic bottles. Right? That's Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to mind. We were shocked to find that it is styrofoam. Styrofoam. Just Cups and stuff? Yeah. It's really, some of it's cups. Some of it seems to be packing material. Different different size chunks of styrofoam. And of course, what styrofoam does is that it breaks down, you know, and eventually it's just those little tiny pellets. And that's really dangerous for wildlife because they can mistake it for food and they will eat it. And there are cases of, of birds and other wildlife that eat so much of it that they feel full and they stop eating. And essentially they starve because their stomachs are full of garbage. Speaking of wildlife, what kinds mm-hmm. of wildlife call the Bronx River home? There are There is so much wildlife on the Bronx River. And of course, um, what's really interesting about urban ecological restoration is that when you bring back one species, it can bring back dozens more because um, they're all hitched to one another. And so one example of that is that we've been working with the New York City Parks Natural Resources Group for many years to bring back alewife herring to the Bronx River. And so um, alewife herring are a really kind of culturally significant fish. Um, They were so abundant at times that people will talk about the rivers running silver. There's accounts of that in the historical record uh, because the rivers would just be full of these fish during the spring when they would migrate um, back up to their their home rivers. Because alewife herring, they're kind of like salmon. They go out to the open ocean to live most of their lives, but they come back to the rivers in which they were born to have their babies. So what's happened, though, on the Bronx River and many rivers on the eastern seaboard is that we have dammed up our rivers so much that we have restricted the access of fish to the freshwater stretches that they need to be able to spawn. So there have been, you know, virtually no alewife herring on the Bronx River since um, the southernmost dam on the Bronx River, the one at 182nd Street, was built in the 1600s. So we've been working with the Parks Department to install a fish ladder. A fish ladder? A ladder for the fish. Um, 
and it doesn't actually look like a ladder. It's it's basically a series of ramps, and the water flows um, down the ramps. And what it does is it enables the fish to basically wiggle their way up um, the ramps and then over the dam so they can access the freshwater portions of the river. So the fish ladder opened um, just a couple years ago, and um, we're really pleased that we're going to be able to release um, additional um, alewife to the river this spring, uh, working with the Connecticut Department of Environmental Protection. And we'll be releasing these fish um, in the Bronx River this spring. They will spawn and have their babies, and then those babies will be imprinted on the Bronx River. We'll go out to the ocean, and then three years later, we'll come back to the river and help kind of reestablish that population on the Bronx River is the hope. And with that, they bring back the birds that eat the fish. They bring back lots of other kinds of um, critters in the water itself who eat the eggs of the fish. And so bringing back one species then helps to really restore the river ecologically in a much broader kind of way. That said, there are some pretty unique birds along the river right now, right? There are, yeah. There certainly are. You will see, um, you know, egrets. You'll see great blue herons. Uh, We've been really pleased that we've been seeing osprey again on the lower river um, that we haven't seen for many years. Um, So, yeah, there's lots of great bird watching on the Bronx River. You mentioned Jose the beaver. Is Jose Mm -hmm. still around? Or have other beavers moved back in? Yeah. So we believe Jose is still around. We haven't seen him directly for a couple years, but we've been hearing um, sightings of some of the evidence of Jose, basically just gnawed trees and branches. And, yes, there is, we believe, another beaver. There was certainly one a few years ago that was sighted. And the Bronx Zoo um, had a competition to name the beaver. And can you guess what name? I know it. You know it? Oh, okay. So we'll give it away. It was Justin Beaver. (laughs) Yes, Yes. from Justin Beaver. We are sort of sorry to say. (laughs) Justin Beaver on the river. And I should say, we don't know that they're both males. It's really hard to know the sex of the beavers. It could be that there's a male and a female, but we haven't seen babies. I've read that there are also mink, or at least it's known that there have been mink. Yeah, the Botanical Garden, they did see a mink um, in the garden. There have also been coyotes that have been spotted um, in the garden. And that might sound kind of frightening, but coyotes are very solitary, nocturnal animals. They really don't want to be around people. Um, So um, there's all kinds of wildlife that are coming back to the Bronx River. So you can't swim in the river. So what is the best way to enjoy the river recreationally? Yeah. Well, I would say the best way is to get out and paddle or row on the Bronx River. Getting out in a boat is really a fantastic way to experience the Bronx River. And I think for many New Yorkers, it's a really it's a big surprise to know that you can do that in New York City. You can have this kind of outdoor adventure. And we lead canoe trips all during the recreational season from about May to October. So folks can go to our website, uh, bronxriver.org. Uh, Rocking the Boat is also a fantastic organization and a partner of ours. They run out of Hunts Point Riverside Park, and they do community rowing on the week.